This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good evening, everyone. Want to welcome all of you tonight. Glad that you can be with us here this evening. And thank God you won't melt when it rains. Now, there is a character on television that does melt when it rains, you know. You know who that is, don't you? Hmm? There's the good witch, and then there's the, the wicked witch of the West, man. Been a long time since she's had a bath. Glory to God. Anyway, we're so glad you can be here. We want to welcome those of you that are watching uh, via internet. And uh, praise God, we got a good uh, message to share with you, I think. A good teaching that I think will be a blessing to you. Praise God. And I don't know, my sister-in-law, Jan, wants to talk about your encounter with a turkey or anything like that. No, not so much. She came home. I'll tell the story so that you don't get embarrassed. But she came home from uh, uh, Easter vacation or being away. And this Tom was in their driveway. And as far as he was concerned, he possessed all of it. Is that a good way to define it? So I wouldn't let her out of the car. She didn't really want to open the garage door because she thought he'd probably follow her in there. And I mean, you know, all kinds of things. So she had to be patient until, of course, every time she'd honk the horn, he'd gobble. I think you kind of got a charge out of that, didn't you? You know? And uh, so, you know what? You know, the turkeys are taking over, man. I told Joan, I said, well, text her and say, just shoot the thing. You can have wild turkey surprise. Hallelujah, you know? <laughs> That's what Phil said. That's great. Praise God. So if any of you are being attacked by turkeys, maybe, I don't know, you know, something's going on. Kind of a weird vibe there anyway. Did you all bring a Bible with you this evening? Let's open our Bibles together. Um, I might just, is there anyone you got a testimony, something Jesus has done in your life you want to share with us before we get started? We had a great service this Sunday. Had nearly 300 people that came, a bunch of them that were watching online, and just a lot of great ministry and a bunch of good things that happened as a result of our gathering together in the name of Jesus. It was awesome. Anybody at all? All right. Well, then let's go to Mark chapter 11. If you want to open your Bibles to that opening. Those of you that have been with us, we've been talking about... Um, faith, I think, for like, I don't know, several months in our midweek services because we just believe, praise God, that if we can get people turned on to the Word of God, walk in the light of the Word, and of course, you know, when you walk in the light of the Word, that's what faith is. It's doing, being a doer of the Word, not just a hearer only. And we just feel like that in these last days, particularly, uh, we just need to up our game when it comes to uh, that particular aspect. So we're teaching along these lines um, quite a bit uh, for that purpose uh, so that we can grow. You know, one of the ambitions we had at the first of this year is to do everything that we can to help people to become established, to be rooted and grounded in, in God. Amen? You know, when, when Paul was writing there in Ephesians, he talked about the ministry gifts being given, or Jesus giving gifts unto men, and he said that they were given for the perfecting or maturing of the saints, for the uh, work of the ministry, and for the edification of the body of Christ. 
and they were given uh, so that we would no longer be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and slight of men whereby they lie in, you know, cunning craftiness to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. God wants us to grow, and he wants us to be mature. He doesn't want us, you know, just following every Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know, and whatever new thing, you know, that might be coming down the pike. And, you know, the subtleties of Satan, uh, just a little bit of misdirection or misguidance and things like that can cause lots of problems in people's lives. But Jesus came to set us free. Hallelujah. And to walk in the freedom, the peace, the joy, the fulfillment, and the happiness that, that heaven affords the believer, the child of God. Now, if the devil can keep you from that, he will, but thank God he can't because he's a defeated foe. It's just a simple fact that a few people, a lot of people actually, need to learn that uh, so that they can resist him. Did you know the Bible says we are to resist him? Praise God. Jesus did everything he needed to do on the cross at Calvary so that you and I could have an abundant life, that we wouldn't have to live with care or worry and anxieties or depression or discouragement or any of the other D words that you can come up with, you know, but you do have to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. So everybody say it together. Thank God I win. You win. Glory to God. Jesus made you a winner. Hallelujah. Used to be a song the kids used to sing. You can be a winner with God. Hallelujah. And that is certainly true. Glory to God. Amen. So anyway, uh, we want to talk to you a little bit here. So let's just prepare our hearts. We'll pray together. And let me share a few things I've got in my heart that I want to talk with you about tonight. Father, we love you so much. So grateful for what you're doing in our lives, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that we stand upon the threshold of Jesus's return. What an incredible privilege it is for us as your children to be a part of what it is that you're doing in the earth in these last days. Father God, I thank you for helping us to be the witnesses that you would have us to be, that we would not be ashamed, that we would not draw back, that, Father, we would move forward, Father, with all boldness and confidence because of what it is that Jesus has done. And so we just thank you, Father, that, praise God, may we, when you come, be found faithful to do what it is that you've asked us to do in living for you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. So we're talking about faith, how it works, what it is, what it's not. <laughs> Sometimes you, you can better figure out what something is by just determining what, what it isn't. But everything within our lives, uh, as it relates to our relationship with God, is, is it functions through or is conditioned by this thing called faith. You know, God is a faith God. And it's kind of obvious, the reason's obvious, he's invisible. So if you're, gonna, if you're going to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to do it by faith. So though God is invisible, we can, see, we can still see the results, hallelujah, of his manifestations and uh, his grace within our lives. And thank God for that, because he influences our lives in a magnificent kind of way. Last week, we talked about components of faith. In other words, certain things that need to exist in order for faith uh, to be real. And um, I'm talking about real Bible faith, because people have all kinds of definitions about what faith is or what they think it is. But I'm talking to you about the stuff that moves the hand of God. 
I'm talking about the stuff that'll change your world. I'm talking about the stuff that God, you know, actually Jesus told his disciples, have faith or the God kind of faith in God. That's the kind that we want to talk about. So um, let's read together here in Mark chapter 11. Again, you're familiar with the story beginning in verse 12 on the morrow. When they, they being Jesus and his disciples, were come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves. He came, if perhaps he might find anything thereon. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of the fig was not yet. And Jesus answering said unto it, this inanimate object, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and the disciples heard it. Drop down to verse 20. And in the morning the next day they passed by and saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Hallelujah. Let me ask an important question again this evening. What are we to have faith in? Huh? Actually, who are we to have faith in? He said, have faith in God. Glory to God. And, you know, other translators have, have um, translated the statement by saying, have the faith of God. So there's something here that happened in this situation where Jesus cursed the tree and they heard it. The next day they see that it's actually died. And they said, look at that. And I believe that it was a teachable moment for Jesus to be able to communicate to them about the function and the operation of how faith in God works. And we talked about the simple fact that, you know, what you say matters. What you believe matters. You know, people believe a lot of different things, you know, and uh, uh, none of or many of the things in which they believe aren't true. Are you with me? You know? And so, thank God we have his word to be able to establish our lives upon a, found, a solid foundation of truth, all right? He said, your word is truth. So, it becomes the gold standard. It becomes what we compare everything that people are saying to, to determine what is right and wrong. Now, the unfortunate thing in culture today is, is we've done completely away with God, we live in a very godless, sec, you know, uh, secular society. Uh, they're not interested in God, and so they've, they've been left to themselves. It's, a, it's such a sad thing, you know, because of what it is that people are doing and lifestyles that they're choosing that are literally destroying their lives, and they don't even know it, you know. And it's interesting because, you know, when you, when you read about what Paul had to say about this in Romans chapter 1, he talked about how that people made decisions in their lives not to retain God in their knowledge. And so he, God, said, if that's the way you want it, then that's fine. And he gave them up 
to a reprobate mind, a mind that is void of judgment. I mean, a lot of times when you hear some of the things that people are saying, you know, it's almost unfathomable that they could get to wherever they are to say the things that they're saying. But when you take God out of your life, which is what they've done, we don't, you know, it's essentially they say, we don't need God. Well, I can tell you right now, you need him more than you ever know. And so consequently, we've got all of these things going on that the world deems as being ac- acceptable. And if you say anything, anything to the contrary, <clears throat> excuse me, well, then, of course, they'll jump all over you with this cancel culture that we find ourselves and uh, uh, living in, or at least they're attempting to live in, you know. And um, I'm telling you guys, don't ever be ashamed of what is true and right. I don't care who it is and what they say or what they think. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, praise God, stay true to what it is he said. Are you listening to me? You know, because uh, you don't have anything to be ashamed of. That is for sure. And we're not going down their road. So again, what we say and what we believe become incredibly, incredibly important. And Jesus taught on that fact. So if I'm to have faith in God or have the God kind of faith, the first, what I mentioned last week, component that's necessary for us to have is that we need knowledge. We need the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of his will. I use my own example. You know, before I met Christ, I didn't, I didn't know God. All right. I didn't know, for example, that he had a plan for my life. It wasn't until after somebody told me that Jesus came, gave his life, shed his blood so that I wouldn't have to perish, but that I could have everlasting life. Now, the funny thing about it is, is I'd been in a quote unquote Christian environment in a church environment, but somehow or another, the truth, I was at an impasse in knowing that truth so that I could be set free. And so I went, you know, without knowing that God had a plan for my life. Well, when I discovered it, I mean, you talk about, oh, happy day. Not only that, but praise God, he changed me from the inside out and made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. But I didn't know that. You know, the Bible says if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that do not believe or so that they won't believe, you know? And that's what he did to me. He told me that, you know, this whole religion thing is a bunch of junk and you don't need that and all this, that, and the other. And I mean, the devil will lie to you any way he can, you know? And if you choose to believe him, well then, you know, you just end up going without. But thank God that somebody loved me enough to stay with me and say, you know what, this is God's plan for your life. And if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. Glory to God. And what a life-changing circumstance that was. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, here's the thing you have to realize is Jesus came and did something not for anyone else but you. Well, let me say it a different way. He didn't come for himself. He came for you. He didn't didn't need to come for himself. He came for you so that the truth could make you free, so that you wouldn't have to live in fear, that you wouldn't have to live in discouragement, that you wouldn't have to live without purpose, that you wouldn't have to go through life, you know, wondering what in the world's going on so that you could know the truth and the truth could make you free so that he could teach you in the way that you should go as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a spouse, 
You know, all of these things are found within the Word of God, and if we begin to implement or employ them in our lives, then our lives can be blessed as a result of it. Hallelujah. So he doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants to meet our needs. He wants us uh, to be full of him. I mean, as a believer, the Bible says you've been redeemed. A lot of folks don't even know what they're redeemed from. I'm redeemed? Yeah, you're redeemed. I mean, talking in the context of being a, a believer or a child of God, you know. Well, that'd be worth finding out, wouldn't it? Because it could be a life changer as far as how we proceed. Are you with me? See, if I've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack, then praise God, we're going we're gonna to put a stop to this somehow or another. Now, there'll be well-meaning people, you know, that will try to discourage and discredit, you know, the truth about God's Word. But I tell you, if you, if you, look, if you just look in the Bible and you see all of the Bible, God-fearing men and women who loved and served God, and God met their needs, and in many cases, way beyond your wildest dreams. God's not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you. Huh? Well, so when I learned that, I got excited. That's just one thing. He wants you to be well. You know, when Jesus went to that cross, he took upon his back the stripes which he bore so that by them you could be healed. So it ought to be every believer's ambition and pursuit and quest to pursue divine health. You know, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 17, the Bible says, I will restore health to you. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, I want to read that to you. Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, people say, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to start? This would be a good one. I mean, if you got a condition or a situation, you know, that's in your life, I would take Jeremiah chapter 30 and 17. I'd wear it out. Because it says, for I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord. Okay? So now again, somebody will come along and say, well, you know, I'm not sure that's what the Bible means. That's not what, you know, I'm not sure that that's what God promised for everyone. See, so maybe, it does, you know, they'll say, well, it doesn't maybe mean that. Well, if they can't get you on that, then they'll say, well, you know, maybe it's not for everyone. And most of the time, all of this is couched within human reason because we see some people that love God, love Jesus, but, you know, maybe they die prematurely or whatever the case might be. And so we got to have a reason for this. Well, maybe, 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 maybe. No, he said, I'll restore health to you and I'll heal you of your wounds. So let's, let's start there. You know, now... Obviously, there's going to be things in your life, you know, that you don't understand and you have questions about. And that's why he said, hey, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And baby, knock on the door, and it'll be open to you. For everyone that asks receives, to him that seeks finds, to him that knocks it shall be open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, maybe God doesn't want me to know. Well, why would you say that in the light of what I just got done quoting to you out of Matthew chapter 7? And yet that's exactly what ends up happening. People end up going without. And God does not want you to go without. I mean, look around you, you guys. I mean, when you think about uh, just nature 
And, and it's abundance. And I mean, how God created the world and the fullness thereof, there is no lack. There is no deficiency. You know, I mean, the ground gets dry, man. There's cracks in it. And I'm telling you what, within about three hours, God can change all of that in a hurry. There are 125,000 gallons of water in one inch of rain on an acre of ground. Think about that. 125,000 gallons per acre for one inch. And dude, God will rain on everything. And I don't know what the number would be. It's billions of gallons. So does God have lack? Not the last time I checked. Huh? So there's sufficiency. There's abundance. There's grace that God has for, ever, uh, for all of us. But the knowledge of God is just discovered in one place, and that's His holy written Word. Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for His Word. Yeah, faith begins where the will of God is known. We have to know His will. Okay? And so that's why you got to fight through some of the things, you know, that religion has taught us, or maybe your experience or all of these different kinds of things. They're, they're real battles. I mean, they are real. Okay? But thank God you can pull down the strongholds and the imaginations or reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, and you can bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Can't you? Hallelujah. But yeah, there'll be a battle. There will be a battle. You know, I mean, again, you know, when Joan and I, I'm speaking from my own experience, when we first got started and began to hear the word of faith and how that God wanted to give us abundant life. John 10.10, 10, such a simple verse of Scripture. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But prior to, in that verse, it says, the thief comes to steal kill and to destroy but i came so that you could have life that is one of the most powerful scriptures in all the bible why because it sets the course for what it is that god wants to do in your life but if you allow doubt and unbelief to rob you of it well you know that might be all right for you but that it doesn't you know that's not my experience that's not the way whatever 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 then dude you're out you're, you're just out. And no one can, you know, you can't blame. I mean, you can blame anybody you want. And it's not going to do any good. You know, I mean, when you read in the scriptures, you find where the Bible says, whosoever will, whosoever, 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 whosoever. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you a whosoever? Hallelujah. Whosoever will, let him come and drink. Glory be to God. Everybody say, I will. You know, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, that you, you look at culture today and everything gets so dumbed down and nobody wants to do anything or whatever. Dude, they are a sitting duck for destruction in their lives. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you, when the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, it got put in there for a reason. Huh? Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. So we have to have faith, and the way that comes, it begins. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Let's look at, a, let's look at an example of this. Turn over to Mark chapter 5, and um, 
Again, these things aren't necessarily things you haven't heard before, but praise God, it never hurts to hear them again. Glory to God. Mark chapter 5, um, this is in the middle of the story when Jairus um, came because his daughter was about to die. And he came and asked Jesus to come and heal her, and he said he would. Hallelujah. So good. So good. Oh, I tell you, it's so good. You know, I tell you what, I mean, the sooner you get delivered from what everybody else thinks, the better off you're going to be. Did you know that? Oh, I tell you, that is so liberating for you to get set free from that. See, Jairus, he was a religious ruler. He was a Pharisee, actually. <clears throat> and they'd already had their conversations amongst one another that if anybody had anything to do with Jesus, you're, you're out. You're out. But I'll tell you this much about it. When it comes to your family and your daughter... And she's going to die if something doesn't happen. You don't care about what other people think. Are you with me? And that's exactly what happened. And he showed up. And I mean, you know, I mean, such a powerful story of how Jesus raised that girl from the dead. But that's not the one I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to the interruption that occurred while they were on their way, beginning in verse 25. And a certain woman, hallelujah, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had. She was nothing better, but she kept getting worse. Now, in other, now think with me a, a moment about the picture of what we've got going on here. This gal, 12 years, she had had this flow and couldn't get it stopped, and she'd spent everything she had. And she wasn't any better, she was worse. How many of you would say that might be a dire circumstance? I mean, she was in trouble. And she didn't have any means whatsoever. Why am I sharing, you with it, uh, sharing this with you? Because I'm telling you that faith can change and turn around any circumstance that you have. Hers was an impossible circumstance, and guess what? Faith changed it. Okay, so we might have to wrestle a little bit to figure out how that's all supposed to work, but I'm telling you this much about it. Your faith can make you whole. Your faith can set you free. Your faith can provide your needs. Your faith, praise God, can change your world. And, and God, I mean, you know, the angels of heaven and everybody, you know, face Hall of Fame will all stand up and shout, praise God, and support you all the way through. Hallelujah. So she had nothing, she'd gotten no better, rather grew worse. Verse 27, and when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone from him, he turned about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Woo! And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging thee? What are you talking about? Who touched me? And he looked around to see her that, that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, what's the next two words? Huh? Your faith has made you 
whole, go in peace, and be whole of your plague. Was that a happy day? Changed her life, didn't it? Now, here's what I want to do in, in the context of this. Go back to what Jesus said. His disciples watched him curse the tree. They said, Master, this thing's, you know, dead. And he said, have faith in God. You know, I, I was meditating on it. I thought, what in the world does having faith in God have to do with cursing a tree? Well, it has everything to do with what you say and what you believe. Huh? He said, because verily, truly, I say, that if someone were to say to this mountain, be removed, be cast to the sea, not doubt in their heart, but believe those things which they said to come pass, they, it, it, it'd be done. Therefore, you know, what things soever you desire when you pray, and so now he's talking about a relationship with God, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's the way that faith works. Now here's a woman, and she's sick, ill. Actually, she was not allowed to be in public. In, in uh, uh, Leviticus, I believe, chapter 25, she was considered unclean. So she couldn't go to the synagogue and sit where all the gals do, you know. And she also couldn't be out in public unless she announced that she was unclean. So you talk about a hopeless circumstance. But again, let me appeal to you, when you're sick and ill and the, and the healer is in the house, you don't care. What did she have to lose? You know, what are they going to do? Stoner? You know what I'm saying? And so the Bible says, when she heard of Jesus. Now, we don't know what she heard, but I can tell you right now, she must have heard that people were touching him and they were getting healed. Okay? People were getting, throngs of people, and you can read it in the scriptures, different places, you know, they, they sought to touch him, the disciples, they're trying to keep them back, you know, they're trying to keep the kids back, they're trying to keep everybody back, you know, but, but I mean, when you got a need in your life, and you're desperate, you know, you'll do whatever it is you got to do, and that's exactly what she did, probably weak, emaciated, anemic. She comes in the press behind probably because that was the easiest way of access to get to him. And praise God, with the hand of faith, she reached out and she touched him. Now, here's the good news about this. You know, thank God she didn't hear somebody say, well, you know, yeah, he's healing some people, but I don't think he's probably, you know, whether he, not, I don't know. All she heard was people are touching him and they're getting healed. She said, if I can touch him, I'll get healed. So she didn't have to wade through a bunch of human reasoning, doubt and unbelief, and all of the garbage sometimes, and people, excuses, whatever. She didn't know anything about that. But in this pure faith, she came, found him, touched him, and she was made whole. She touched his garment. Glory to God. And he said, daughter... Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. So don't tell me that you can't get healed. In other words, well, let me rephrase that because somebody could mistake that. Don't tell me that it's not the will of God for you to be healed. Because it is. Amen. Now, does everyone get healed? No. But it's still the will of God for you to be healed. Amen. Are you with me? So... Um, <clears throat> Uh, I tell you, what a great story. Glory to God. Amen. 
But here's the thing. Again, you know, somebody, if somebody, if, if I share these things with you and I tell you about this story about this gal, then somebody could come up to you and say, well, now, wait a minute. Now, now it may not always be the will of God to heal everyone. And you better, you better have some arsenal, you know, at your disposal. And, and I mean, if nothing else, you say, well, why do you say that? Where, do you, where does it say that in the Bible? Because the Bible says that everyone that was coming to him was getting healed. Everyone be you're the one, you know. You got to give me something different than that. Well, you know, after all, you got to be careful about what this thing will do to talk you out of the will of God. Are you listening to me? That's why the Bible tells us to renew our mind to the word. Praise God. Are you listening to me? You know, it's just like my making the statement to you earlier. Your words matter. You know, the things you say matter. My wife and I, I mean, we, we, we're like one another's police, you know. And, and uh, if something gets said that ain't right, we get her straightened up right now. It's easy to do, you know, in given areas of your life. But I tell you what, we put a watch over our lips. Huh? 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 You know, you'd be like, oh, uh, what was, uh, um, oh, Tom Hanks played that guy, run, run, Forrest Gump. That's all I got to say about that, you know. Sometimes you, you don't have nothing to say about it. Huh? Is it good news? Is it a good report? Or is it a bad report? Is it a funky report? You with me? Hallelujah. Because it doesn't really do anybody any good anyway. So don't confuse church tradition with, with, uh, with Bible knowledge. People say, well, I've been told. Or they say, well, I just believe. Well, okay. But if what it is you've been told, what it is that you just believe doesn't line up with the Bible, then we got an issue. Fair enough, isn't it? Some people, they fight for their, that kind of stuff. But, you know, and here's another thing. Your current circumstance has no bearing on the validity of what it is that God's Word says. You know, but sometimes we'll believe what's going on in our life over what it is that He's promised. Huh? Now, i got to make some changes you know, I may have to, you know, move some things around on the, on the chess table here a little bit if I'm going to have God's best. And the Bible makes it clear, you know, you got to put away this and put on this, huh? Put off the old man, put on the new. I can't expect to have the blessing of the new when I'm rolling around out in the old, you know? Hallelujah. So, you know, um, um, I'm not getting very far I'm still on the first one. It's been two weeks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. If you can find that in your Bibles. Y'all glad you came tonight? Thank God for His Word. Let's believe the Word. It's time to believe. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 11 the Bible says, now this is the Bible's definition for faith. It says that faith is the substance or is giving substance. Some of your Bible translations may say it's the assurance. It might say faith is the confidence. Or it could say that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. 
okay? Faith is the assurance, the confidence. Well, you know, hope doesn't have any substance. I like what one minister said. Hope's kind of like a dream. You know, I mean, at the time, it's so real, you know, you're dreaming this dream, and it's weirder to all get out, but it still seems so real. And then you wake up, poof, it's gone. It doesn't have any substance. But faith gives substance to what we hope for. We hope for a better life. We hope for, you know, this or that or the whatever, you know. Faith is what takes what we hope for, brings it into a reality within our lives. Are you with me? And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence. Everybody say evidence. It's the evidence of things not seen. Things not seen. Say it again. Things not seen. Not seen to these eyes. You know, there's two different realms. There's this physical, natural realm that you and I live in. And then there is a spiritual realm where God exists and that all of his promises are yes and amen, praise God, to the glory of God. And we take what's there and we bring it into a reality in our own life through this thing called faith. Now, I'm going to go on a little side journey here because I'm going to run out of time before I get to the second one anyway. So, you know, I'm just going to do it. Hallelujah. Turn to, uh, um, let's see. Turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this will help you. I know this will bless you right here. Praise God. The other thing you've got to realize is if you're going to be a person of faith, um, you're going to march to the, to the beat of a different drummer. Okay? I mean... <clears throat> Again, let me quote the verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1, now, faith is the substance or gives substance to what we hope for. Our faith is the evidence of what we, what? Do not see. So, in other words, I may not have it yet. But when it comes, I don't need no more faith because I got it. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And faith again, gives substance to what we hope for. Now, faith in God or faith towards God, again, for something like, you know, um, something we need, which we do not presently have, deals with the unseen, okay? I don't have the resources that I need for something that I want to do, or I don't have, you know, uh, 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 I have a deficiency within my body, and yet the Bible says that Christ, you know, um, took that for me so that I could be well, all right? So I, I've got these different things that, that are in my life that are inconsistent with what he has said, so I want to get that changed. How do I do that? I do it with faith. But the, but the point is, is that when you start talking about faith, you're dealing with what you cannot presently see. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You just can't see it with these eyes. Are you with me? So here, for example, God said this to the nation of Israel. He said, if you'll listen, if you'll hearken unto, the, un, unto my commandments, in other words, he said, if you, he said, and you, and, and you'll serve the Lord your God. 
He said, I will bless your bread and water. I'll take sickness and, and disease from the midst of you, and the number of your days I will fulfill. So he said, if you serve him or if you will hearken to him, in other words, do what he says, this is what I promise you. Well, so we have to set out to do what it is he said because this is what he promised. We don't have it yet. But if we do what he said and we serve him, it is coming. Are you with me? I can tell you that for sure. Glory to God. It pays to serve God. And you shall serve the Lord your God. I'll bless your bread and water. I tell you what, you'll never lack for any good or beneficial thing if you'll believe God. I mean, if he's got to rain it down out of heaven, glory to God, he'll do it. Are you listening to me? You know, right now we got all this deficiency going on. You know, you can't get this, can't get that. I tell you what, God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you with me? But you've got to believe that. A lot, of, a lot of folk don't believe that. Well, yeah, you can believe whatever you want, man, but have you been to Walmart? I mean, the, the shelves are empty. Well, praise God. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of stories I can tell you about Elijah getting fed bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening. Huh? I, can, I know about a widow woman and him that hung out together, and they all ate real good until it was all over. But, you know, you can't, a lot of times you can't even get people to believe it. You know, my God, my God, my God. You know, they're just talking the ugly story. When are we going to believe him? You know, I tell you, Psalm 91, I mean, it is one awesome psalm. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say that he is my refuge. In him I will trust. Huh? It's time for us to start believing the Bible. You know, let me ask you a question. Do you think God knew all about this junk that we're dealing with right now? He knew it was coming. He didn't sh you know, it's not like somebody had to pick him up off the floor, put him back on the throne. He said, my God, I didn't know that was going on. Oh, yeah, he knows all about it. He knows the end from the beginning. And guess what? He's not nervous. So we're dealing with, you know, I mean, you're talking about faith. It, it deals with the unseen, what we cannot see. Faith is something that functions outside of the five physical senses. Okay? What you touch, you taste, you smell. What's it? Smell, smell, hear, and see. Hey! Woo! But we live in this natural world. You know, and we're dominated by that. But if you're good, you can't be a person of faith and constantly be sense ruled because your circumstances will always tell you something that it can't be done or it's not for you or that, that'll never happen. I mean, you know, it's all over the place. So you have to understand that faith, again, is something that functions outside the five physical senses. And many Christians are sense ruled and they live on a roller coaster everything's all right it's great wow wow oh no 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 it's not good at all uh-uh you know god does not want you to live on a roller coaster if you want the experience of a roller coaster go someplace and ride one but don't live your life that way huh an emotional roller coaster up and down and up and down and up and down and God doesn't want you to do that. But again, 
So many Christians are since ruled, and therefore they experience this kind of life up and down all the time. But you know, the Bible says the just shall live by what? They'll live by what? Faith. What's that mean? That means that there are going to be things that happen, you know, on this time continuum of your life. There are going to be things that you're going to have to deal with. But I'm telling you, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Huh? So we just look to him. And praise God, he'll make a way where there's no way. Now, did you find 1 Corinthians uh, 2.14? Look what it says here. But the natural man, the natural man, receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they are what? They're foolishness to him, you know? And then it goes on to say, neither can he know them because they are spiritually understood or they are discerned. Okay, so, so what, he's, what Paul is saying here is, is if you're trying to get an unbelieving person to get their head wrapped around what we're talking about tonight, they can't do it. The natural man does not receive the things that are of the Spirit of God. They don't. Why? Because they're since ruled. I mean, that's all they got to go on. So, they, you know, it's like, okay, prove it. You know, you, you with me? But that doesn't make what I'm talking about any less true, huh? For example, Jesus made this statement to his disciples. It says, the natural man receives not the things that are of the Spirit of God. Jesus made this statement. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, one just like me, that will abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth or the Holy Ghost, he's making reference to, whom the world, now listen, whom the world cannot, King James says, receive. You know, another translation says cannot accept. Why? Because they cannot see it. They see him not, neither do they know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, so my point to that is, is that I'm asking you to think in a different way about faith, that it does deal with the unseen. Jesus taught us about it, you know, in, in a variety of different ways. And if, you'll, if, you, uh, <clears throat> if you would, just back up in this uh, second Cor- or 1 Corinthians chapter 2, back up to uh, verse 7. Paul's writing, he says, we, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, for the Spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. What man knoweth the things of man except the Spirit of man that's in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now listen to this verse. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. When I start talking to you about the fact that God has redeemed you, 
freely given to you of God. That Jesus came and shed his blood and gave his life as a ransom for you so that you wouldn't have to live under the tyranny of sin and death and bondage and all kinds of junk that the world is. I mean, the world cannot receive that. They cannot get their head wrapped around that. But you can. And that's why you can stand against the wiles of the devil and not accept what the rest of the... Yeah, they'll think you're nuts, but who cares? This stuff is true. You know, was it Elisha and Gehazi or whoever it was? You know, they were in Dothan down there. Elijah, I believe it was. And his servant went out, you know, to draw water in the morning. and looked and there were chariots all over the place. You know, his, their enemies, everybody was after Elijah, Ahab, I guess it was, that was chasing him, trying to chase him down. And they said, go out there and get him. Get this prophet, man. He's messing up my world, you know. So they go out there, and they got all these chariots everywhere, you know. And, and uh, you know, the guy comes back. My master, my master, alas, how shall we do? How shall we do? We're in trouble, man. The enemy's all around us. And, and so what's Elijah do? He says, well, there's more that be with us than be with them. And, you know, the, this, this servant's going, one, two, you know, 10,000, 20,000, you know. I mean, how's that work? So he prays. He says, Lord, open up his eyes so he can see. And he opened up his eyes into the realm of the Spirit, and he's seen these chariots of fire every place surrounding them, you know. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you don't know the rest of the story, but that's not the point. The point is, is there's an unseen realm, you guys, and it's, faith that accesses it that you're not going to be able and i'm not i'm not talking about being stupid okay well you know i don't believe in that 18 wheeler there's coming up the road i'll just walk out in front of it dude you're going to be a greasy mess okay god did give you your senses huh to use but on the other hand when it comes to the promises of god the redemption that we have in him and things you get this are you are you getting this Okay, now let me, let me just show you one more thing here uh, because I'm already late and I'm just figuring, well, who cares? All right, it's my bat, my ball, we're going to play till I win. So look, look at um, Matthew chapter 16 real quick because I do know that we have church workers and things that are caring for people. Notice this. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he, say, he asked them, he said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, you know, some of them are saying that you're John the Baptist, others Elias or Elijah, one of the prophets, others Jeremiah. And then he turned right to him and he said, Well, who do you say I am? Okay. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. <laughs> And, and Jesus um, answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for, listen, flesh and blood did not, what's that next word? Flesh and blood did not, what? Flesh and blood did not reveal that or it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he said, you're Peter, and upon this rock, upon this rock, I am going to build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Now, what's that all mean? You know, some people have said, well, you know, Peter meant rock, and he was talking about he's going to build a church on Peter. That's not true. He's talking about the rock of Revelation. So what he's saying here is, he said, Peter, nothing in the natural revealed that to you. My father did. In other words, you didn't get your information from this world, from some guy or, you know, some physical sense kind of thing. It came up out of you or upon you, however you want to say that. I mean, he wasn't born again yet, but he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, revelation knowledge came to him. And it was that, and he said, and it's revelation knowledge that I am going to build my church on. You know, you've heard people say, have you ever heard somebody say, I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew? Well, what you, you know, what that means is, is that you have this knowing on the inside of you that is absolutely undeniably you and the spirit of faith. Revelation knowledge that comes to you. You say, well, how's that come? Well, get in the book. Let the book get in you. And God will speak to you. Are you listening to me? It's like Sunday morning. We had our service, you know. We're getting toward the close, you know. We're getting ready. We do the communion thing. We're worshiping God, singing the song, the blood of Jesus. And the Spirit of God says, pray for the sick. Well, you know, now I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's Easter morning. you got all these stupid ideas. It's Easter morning, man. Everybody's ready to go. I mean, they've, you know, this is the way we do it. We get done. We sing hymn. We leave. You can't do that to them. They're going to think you're nuts or whatever, you know. And then you're faced with a decision. Say, no, I, don't, I, I believe we're going to obey God. I'm not going to let the rest of my afternoon be ruined because I didn't obey God. See, the fear of man brings a snare, you know? Are you with me? And all of a sudden, I don't remember what it was, you know, 12, 15 people or whatever the number was, and prayed for the sick. And there was a great anointing too, man. Hallelujah. And two of them, particularly, it wasn't just, you know, for physical healing in their body. There were some other things that God wanted to minister to them. Are you with me? Well, how do you know that? Because the Holy Ghost, thank God. You know, and that's why I say, you know, when it comes to these things, you know, you don't argue with the world about what it is that's true and you know to be true because you're, you're wasting your time. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Well, I guess I have to quit. Um, when you get born again, with that comes revelation knowledge for you to know certain things that is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I tell you what, when God tells you something, don't ever forget it. It's a life changer. I got this wall I've been wanting to do and I haven't done it yet, but I got this testimony wall that I want to build and I've got different things that I want to put on it, you know, of certain defining moments within my life so that I can look on that wall and say, that's when that happened and that's when that happened and that's when that happened and that's when that happened. And I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. You know, we, uh, I'll I'll close real quick with this story. You know, uh, the boys were at Bible school and they came back for, um, 
I don't know what it was, a holiday or something, but they weren't home. Well, they broke into their, their apartment and took all their stuff. And so Greg and I, uh, we jumped on the plane. We went back down there. Well, when, it, when I heard it, I, it just something on the inside of me. You know, the thief is a liar. And you know what? Praise God. He said if he be found out, he's got to pay back sevenfold. Hallelujah. So out of the innermost part of my being came this, no, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they will bring everything back and nothing will be lost. Hallelujah. So we jump in the plane, we go down there, you know, and the police are going to meet us, fill out the report and all this. We walk in there, sure enough, they'd come in through a back window, busted the screen out and got in, you know, tore everything up. There's, and, and, uh, and all this stuff is gone and we're looking everything over, you know, and then um, the police came, but then Greg, he went to another part of the house and he went out on the back patio and he goes, dad, you need to come here. And I said, Okay, and so we're walking past there, you know, all this other stuff, you know, and whatever. And we go out there, and all this stuff that they had taken, computers and, I don't know, game, uh, PlayStation. I don't know what all they took. They took all kinds of stuff. And it was all on the back porch on the patio stacked up. Really nice. <laughs> it was just sitting there. And this police guy, this police, I don't know what, what is, what is what his uh, rank was or whatever. He goes, I ain't never seen that before. <laughs> but the one thing about it is, is there was an old Browning shotgun, a goose gun that my uh, dad had that wasn't there. And, you know, so because Greg was, as a matter of fact, I think we even picked up an extra PlayStation out of the deal, you know. But, but um, he said, but the shotgun's not here. And I said, it'll come back. So we went our way, police went their way, kind of picked stuff up, and that was the end of it. And I think, I don't remember now, you know, how that worked out, whether Greg stayed down there or whatever. But anyway, uh, they got back into school, I think. One morning, they're getting ready to go to school. They get up, go out the front door, and the uh, storm door swung to the wall there. And so they go out the door, and in the corner, right by the door, that, that shotgun is is sitting there it came back too now you may not believe that but i guess it really doesn't matter i'm just telling you everything came back well that was just a quick no that was god are you listening to me because most thieves don't bring stuff back last time i checked huh so everybody say it together faith in god always works. works. Amen. Praise God. One time there was a tornado that was going to try to destroy our house. You can ask that guy right back there. He was at our house. We, I went out there. Everybody's running to the basement, man, dude, I'm running the other direction toward this thing. I'm speaking to it in Jesus name. And I'm saying, no, you don't. This thing came up back up into the clouds. I mean, the west side of our house was just smeared with all kinds of debris and everything like that. It went up, it went up, and it went back down, it, it went about a quarter mile over on the top of a hill and sat there and spun like it wanted to come back. <laughs> you ain't coming back. I'm standing, I, I had this, I cut this big tree down, I'm standing on this stump, I'm speaking to that thing. Well, it went two miles north and a little bit east and destroyed a whole farmstead and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I've got that on tape. Hallelujah. So I'm going to take that tape and I'm going to put it on my testimony wall. 
I'm going to take that shotgun. I can tell you some other stuff, you know. Defining moment. I got a little book. How, how to, uh, uh, you guys got any testimonies? You need to put them up on your wall. Are you with me? I got this book, How to Achieve Your Goals by Walking with God. It was one of the most defining moments in my life, and the book had nothing to do with what God said to me. But that book, when I read Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 32, dude, boom, revelation knowledge changed my life forever. So I'm going to put that on my wall. And anything you have, you remember things that happen in your life that are undeniably God, you got to put them on a wall. You say, well, I ain't never had nothing like that happen. Well, it sure could. I said, it sure could. Amen. Remember Brother Hagin's wife, I'm trying to close. <clears throat> Brother Hagin's wife, Aretha, you know, dad, we call him dad. Um, he traveled all the time. He pastored for nearly 12 years, but then he had been called into the ministry. And you got to understand back in the 40s, uh, 30s, well, 47, 8, 9. You know, I mean, there were no interstates. He did not have it good at all. And uh, um, he was gone all the time. And um, he's out preaching, preaching a message. Praise God that God wants to bless you and prosper you when he didn't hardly even have two nickels to rub together. But praise God, he preached it anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, his latter end was pretty good. Hallelujah. Because he was faithful. But here's my story. You know, the thing is, is that one day Aretha was at home and she was complaining because he was never around. And um, they, they, they suffered some incredible hardship in order for you and I to be here tonight and to hear what it is that you're hearing. And that goes for all of us, you know. But she was there and she was complaining and she was um, behind a door complaining and the Lord spoke to her and said I could take him to a place where you'd never see him again well when that happened she hit her knees and repented you know and said oh God forgive me you know and and um, why am I telling you that I guess I'm just trying to tell you that there are defining moments in our lives. There's probably times when God has spoke to you someplace, you know, in your life or whatever the case might be. Well, don't ignore what it is that he said. Are you with me? Listen to what he said. Do what he said. Follow him. And you'll be blessed. Because if you don't, you won't. And it won't be God's fault. Huh? And you, can't, you won't be able to blame the preacher. You know, some of you are a lot younger than me. I'm going to beat you to heaven, okay? You know? And, um, but you get the point. I mean, God just so loves his church. He loves his children. He loves you. And he wants the best for you. So let's fight for it, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we so thank you tonight. God, help us to allow these things to sink deep within our heart about our lives before you. Help us, Father, to put a watch over our lips, that we speak no evil. And, Father God, that we watch what it is that we say, so that the course that's set for our lives has within it the grace and the mercy of God. And Father, we thank you for this thing called faith, the faith that we can have in you, because God, we know you're true. 
So, Father God, I, I thank you for these precious people and even those that are watching um, by Internet. Help us, Father, to, to embrace the things that are true and just and right and good. And, God, I just thank you, Father God, for helping each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for your blessing tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Praise God. We're going to receive our uh, evening.